Section 39 of The Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 12. Edited by Charles Dudley Warner. Section 39. William Dunbar. Dates Uncertain. 1465 to 1530. A picturesque figure in a picturesque age is that of William Dunbar, court minstrel to James the Fourth, and as Sir Walter Scott declared, a poet unrivalled by any that Scotland has ever produced. Little of his personal history is known. Probably he was a native of East Lothian, a member of the family of the Earl of March, and a graduate of St. Andrew's University about the year 1479. After his college days he joined the Order of Franciscans and became a mendicant friar, preaching the queer sermons of his time and begging his way through England and France. Yet in these pilgrimages the young scholar learned useful habits of self-denial, saw new phases of human character, and above all enjoyed that close communion with nature which is the need of the poet. Over and over there is a reflection of this life in that fanciful verse which has caught the color of the morning hours when the hedgerows are wet and the grass dewy, when the wild roses scent the roadside, and the lark is at matins, verse full of the joy of life and the hope of youth. After some years of this vagabond life, Dunbar left the Franciscans and attached himself to the court, where he speedily became a favorite. His day was one of pageant and show, of mask and spectacle, and into its gay assemblage of knights and courtiers, ladies and great nobles, Dunbar fitted perfectly. When an embassy was sent to England to negotiate the royal marriage with Margaret Tudor, Dunbar went along, being specially accredited by the king. He became a favorite with the young princess, and a poem written in honor of the city of London, and one descriptive of the Queen's progress, afford a faithful and valuable memorial of this mission. History is fortunate when she secures a poet as her scribe. Dunbar is principally known by his three poems, The Thistle and the Rose, The Golden Targe, and the dance of the seven deadly sins. The first of these is an allegory celebrating the nuptials of the king. It suggests, of course, the allegories of Chaucer. But Dunbar's muse is his own, and the poem springs fresh and clear from native fonts. The poet represents himself as awakened by Aurora on a spring morning and told to do homage to May. Through the symbolism of the court of nature, who crowns the lion and eagle, commissions the thistle and rose as her handmaidens, and orders their praises sung by the assembled birds of earth, the political significance of the allegory appears. But 
the thistle and the rose which is thus made to illustrate the union between the two great houses of scotland and england is far more than the poem of an occasion it is full of the melody and fragrance of spring saturated with that sensuous delight which at this bountiful season fills the veins of nature here dunbar is no longer the court laureate but the begging friar wandering through the green lanes and finding bed and board under the free skies the golden targe is more artificial in construction it is another allegory descriptive of an encounter between cupid and reason who is defended by a golden targe or shield from the attacks of love here again the rural landscape forms a background to his mimic action amazons dressed in green fight the battle of cupid and vanquish reason then magically vanish and leave the poet to awake from his dream the golden targe was a poem to be read in the royal presence when the court assembled after a day's hunting or an afternoon of archery but it is filled with the ethereal loveliness which only the true poet beholds it is in the dance of the seven deadly sins that dunbar touches the note of seriousness which characterizes his race and his individual genius this satire is not so unsparing an indictment as the vision of piers ploughman and yet it provokes inevitable comparison with the older poem in a dream the poet sees heaven and hell opened it is the eve of ash wednesday and the devil has commanded a dance to be performed by those spirits that had never received absolution in obedience to this command the seven deadly sins present a mask before his satanic majesty and it is in the description of this grisly performance that dunbar reveals a new aspect of power the comedy here is not comic but grotesque and horrid the vision of the scot is the vision that came to the poets of the inferno and paradise lost and it shows that his imagination was capable of the loftiest flights after the melancholy day of flodden field the scottish laureateship ceased to exist but it is remarkable that so prominent a man as dunbar should so completely have disappeared from contemporary view that his subsequent career and the time of his death are matters of doubt his period is given as between the years fourteen sixty five and fifteen thirty but these dates are only approximate had dunbar held his genius in hand as completely as did chaucer his accomplishment would doubtless have been greater than it was yet his place in literature is that of one of the most important poets of the fifteenth century the age of caxton and bookmaking the time of that first flush of radiance which ushered in the full day of spencer and shakespeare selection the thistle and the rose by william dunbar 
when march was with varying winds past and april had with her silver showers tain leave of nature with an orient blast and pleasant may that mother is of flowers had made the birds to begin their hours among the tender arbors red and white whose harmony to hear it was delight in bed at morrow sleeping as i lay methought aurora with her crystal even in at the window looked by the day and ailsed me with visage pale and green on whose hand a lark sang from the spleen awake lovers out of your slumbering see how the lusty morrow does upspring methought fresh may before my bed upstood in with depend of many diverse hue sober benign and full of magnitude in bright attire of flowers forged new heavenly of colour white red brown and blue balmed in dew and gilt with phoebus bemuse while all the house illumined of her lemuse sluggard she said awake anon for shame and in my honour some thing thou go right the lark has done the merry day proclaim to raise up lovers with comfort and delight yet night increases thy courage to indict whose heart sometime is glad and blissful been sings to make under the livies green then called she all flowers that grew on field discerning all their fashions and affairs upon the awful thistle she beheld and saw him kept with a bush of spears considering him so able for the weirs a radiant crown of rubies she him gave and said in field go forth and fend the lave and since thou art a king thou be discreet herb without virtue thou held knight of sick price as herb of virtue and of odour sweet and let no nettle vile and full of vice here follow to the goodly fleur de lis nor let no wild weed full of churlishness compare her till the lily's nobleness nor held none other flower in such dainty as the fresh rose of colour red and white forgive thou doest hurt is thine honesty considering that no flower is so perfect so full of virtue pleasant and delight so full of blissful angelic beauty imperial birth honour and dignity selection from the golden targe by william dunbar bright as the stern of day began to shine when gone to bed were vesper and lucine i raise and by a rosary did me rest up sprang the golden candle matutinal with clear dappered beams crystalline glading the merry fowls in their nest or phoebus was in purple cape revest up raised the lark the heavens minstrel fine in may until a morrow mirthfullest full angel-like their birds sang their hours within their cordons green into their burrs apparel white and red with blooms sweet animated was the field with all colours the pearly drops shook in silver showers 
while all in balm did branch and levies fleet to part from phoebus did aurora greet her crystal tears i saw hang on the flowers will he for life all drank up with his heat for mirth of may with skips and with hops the birds sang upon the tender crops with curious notes as venus chapel clerks the roses young new spreading of their copes was powdered bright with heavenly brill drops through beams red burning as ruby sparks the skies rang for shouting of the larks selection no treasure avails without gladness by william dunbar be merry man and take not sir in mind the wavering of this wretched world of sorrow to god be humble and to thy friend be kind and with thy neighbour gladly lend and borrow his chance to-night it may be thine to-morrow be blithe in heart for any adventure for oft with wise men it has been said afaro without gladness avails no treasure make thee good cheer of it that god thee sends for world's wreck but welfare not avails nor good is thine save only that thou spends remnant all thou breaks but with bales seek to solace when sadness thee assails in dollar lang thy life may not endure wherefore of comfort set up all thy sails without gladness avails no treasure follow on pity flee trouble and debate with famous folks hold thy company be charitable and humble in thine estate for worldly honour lasts but a cry for trouble inert take no melancholy be rich in patience give thou in goods be pure who lives merry he lives mightily without gladness avails no treasure thou sees their wretches set with sorrow and care to gather goods in all their lives space and when their bags are full their selves are bare and of their riches but the keeping has while others come to spend it that has grace while of thy winning no labour hat nor cure take thou example and spend with merriness without gladness avails no treasure though all the work that e'er had living which were only thine no more thy part does fall buy meat drink clothes and of the lave a sight yet to the judge thou shalt give count of all and reckoning right comes of any raiment small but just and joyous do to none injure and truth shall make thee strange as any wall without gladness avails no treasure end of section thirty nine william dunbar